Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watch the youth them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield, mad skills, lottie dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the bar, then watch out for the kids, EBT is out here broadcasting, EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as always, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? You uh, surviving the rain? Us San Diegans that uh, just can't stand the rain here? Yeah, you know how when it rains and, like, everyone's got to post about it on the internet and everyone's got to, like, act like it's the end of the world. So, yeah, I'm alive. I mean, I've survived. And uh, I think I'm better for it. So, yeah, here we go. Yeah, for, for, for those of you that are listening out of California, uh, you need to realize that we're babies over here and uh, just a little bit of rain, a little bit of coldness, and, and we just run around like uh, chickens with our heads cut off. Yeah, I mean, actually, I'm, I'm kind of hot. My room's pretty warm, so... I have my fan on because I'm like, it's too much. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the East Coast is buried in snow, but yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, it's been uh, been a couple. Gosh, been about a week or so since Patrick and I have come on the air waves and uh, kind of shot the shit about the Padres. Um, there's been some moves uh, as Jan Hervis Salarte. A clubhouse favorite was shipped off to the Toronto Blue Jays for uh, Jared Karkoff, a relief pitcher that you know, has decent numbers, but he's a relief pitcher in low A. So, I mean, it is what it is. But uh, I guess the big acqui- uh, acquisition for the Padres was Edward Oliveras, a 21. Uh, he'll be 22 in March. Uh, 22-year-old right-handed hitting outfielder who... Uh, I guess you could say had a coming out party last year in his first season of uh, full season ball for the Blue Jays. Um, Patrick, you want to go into a little bit about Oliveris before we uh, bring in our guests? Uh, We have Jonathan Mayo and we have uh, Eric Longenhagen uh, here to give us a little bit of a breakdown on uh, Oliveris. Um, So Patrick, give us a little bit on on what you think about this trade and and what you think about this young uh, outfielder who looks like he has a pretty good ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, up front, I definitely like the trade. Um, I've been honestly waiting for Slarte to be moved for a while now. Um, obviously, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow considering um, he's such a fan favorite. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, had a lot of personal stuff going on in his life. So, obviously, I'm always rooting for the guy. Um, he's always been a gracious guy to the city of San Diego. You can always tell he's having fun. So, it's going to be sad to see him uh, go. But at the same time, it's a move they had to make. Um, he's a guy who's getting a little older, and uh, you don't really see him necessarily being there as a part of the future good Padres team. So I think it's a, a good deal. Um, yeah, Jared Karkoff is kind of just a throw-in, uh, probably like an organizational-type arm. Um, he was drafted in round 35 uh, two years back. So, yeah, he's not. He's kind of just a throw-in sort of piece. Um, maybe he becomes a big league reliever someday. But, I mean, I wouldn't count on him being any sort of impact talent. Um, Oliveris is obviously the real prize um, outfield prospect. I believe he was rated... Uh, 
somewhere in like the 15 to 20 range, I think, in the Blue Jays system. I mean, the Blue Jays have a pretty decent system. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of talent on top, like Bichette, uh, Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr., um, Anthony Alford, but um, he's definitely a good prospect in his own right. Um, to me, he's a very volatile sort of guy, a lot of power. Um, the bat's not quite there yet. He uh, has some trouble chasing pitches. Um, his strike zone recognition's not quite there yet. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely more of like a... a a speed kind of glove first kind of guy. Um, he's got, I think, sixty speed is, is what I've heard. Yeah, put on yeah, him. excellent arm as well. If I've yeah, read, good, right? good glove, good arm. Um, he definitely had yeah a little bit of a coming out party last year. Uh, he only played fifteen games in twenty sixteen in rookie ball. Um, he spent time in twenty fifteen and twenty fourteen in rookie ball. I think he was signed mm-hmm. twenty fourteen out of I want to say Venezuela. Yeah, Venezuela. Uh, but yeah, so first real full season was uh, this last year. Played 101 games in uh, A ball with the Jays, uh, slash 277, 33500, 130WRC+. Uh, 17 home runs, which is definitely good to see the power. 18 stolen bases, so kind of gets that power-speed combination, which always good. Uh, he saw a little taste of high A at the end of the year, struggled a bit more there. Strikeout rate raised a bit, but it was a small sample size, only uh, 77 plate appearances, so... Uh, yeah, I definitely like him as a prospect. Um, he's got some work to do. Definitely the plate discipline. Um, he's got to develop the strike zone a little bit better. I think he's still a guy who could grow into some size. Um, I think he's listed at 6'2", about 180-something. So he definitely could build another maybe 15, 20 pounds of muscle and, and be even more of a power threat and kind of build, uh, grow into that frame a little more. Um, but yeah, everything I've heard is good from him. Um, definitely... Definitely a potentially volatile sort of player. I mean, the Potters have no shortage of those. And Michael Geddes, Buddy Reed, uh, Franchi Cordero even to an extent. I think if you look at his profile, I think he matches Franchi Cordero rather well. Uh, I think Cordero has a bigger strike zone issue than Oliveris. Um, and it's also kind of hard to compare since they play at different levels. So, I mean, if, if you look at Oliveris yeah. and he's in the AAA or AA in the next few years, I think he could have maybe similar issues. But I think... There's enough difference there. It's just kind of worth noting that they have a similar profile in terms of speed defense, uh, the powers there. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the guy who kind of stands out to me. As, I don't like comps, but if you want to like just get an idea of what kind of player he is, I think that's a, a fair comparison to make. But, yeah, I like the move overall. I think it's a good deal. you got to kind of cash in those assets when you get the chance. I mean, obviously the Potters were a little hurt by Solarte getting hurt last uh, trade deadline, so they couldn't move him probably when they wanted to, but... I think it's good that AJ's capitalizing on that uh, that value right now. Yeah, I mean, you you got to love what you've seen from Oliveira as, as far as this past season. I mean, uh, looking at his numbers, he had five home runs in his previous 300 at-bats, uh, playing rookie league, DSL ball. Uh, you know, he never really got to chase a, a full-season ball, and he didn't do so until this past season, like we've already you know said. So... At, when let me see, he hit 17 this year and 400 at bats. You know the power's coming. He's wiry, as we said. He's uh, tall, six two. The upside's there. There's still a lot to to savor and want from him, though. The swing is 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 a little mechanical, a little off at this point. But he does have a short stroke, and he does create a lot of bat speed. So. There's definitely tools there. At this point, he's just another name to add to the to the huge pile of prospects. And the Padres sh- surely did need more outfield prospects and surely did more, need more hitters. So, you know, it's tough saying goodbye to Jan Hervé Solarte. He, he was a, uh, a crowd favorite. 
uh, he provided a lot of entertainment for the fans uh, in in difficult times. So, you know, but it's it's a baseball move, and, and the Padres are you know built to win and, and for the future. And and uh, I think you know in the long run we'll learn to 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 like this deal. We'll we'll have to see. Um, where do you think Oliver will start this coming season? You think he's destined for like Elsinore, or do you think that they will have him? Uh, get a little more uh, seasoning in low A. Uh, I mean, given that he had a taste of high A at the end of the year and he was so successful at uh, low A, I don't, I don't really see a point of starting him at low A. So I figure he's uh, in Lake Elsinore at the start of the year, um, barring any sort of setback, mm-hmm. any sort of injury, I guess, uh, anything like that. But yeah, I would, I'd expect to see him in Lake Elsinore and uh, maybe you and me can get up there and uh, check him out live in person. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, enough of our drivel about this young man. Uh, let's bring in uh, someone who's knowledgeable, someone who works for MLB.com. Uh, Jonathan Mayo is coming in uh, to talk to us a little bit about uh, this young man, and uh, check it out. All right, folks, joining us now uh, from MLB Pipeline is Jonathan Mayo. Uh, we just pulled off a little bit of a trade uh, in the last couple of days of Jan Hervis Alarte, who's a, definitely a clubhouse leader in the Padres locker room, but I think the return was uh, pretty decent. Uh, Jonathan, give us a little bit about Edward Olivares, a uh, young outfielder, uh, formerly of the Blue Jays uh, farm system. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, he's an intriguing guy. I'll have to wait and see whether it was enough return, you know, given Solarte's uh, you mentioned his clubhouse presence, his, his positional flexibility, all those sorts of things. But Olivares has some tools, and looked like he was starting to put it together last year. Uh, you know, started to kind of slowly, you know, was moving slowly, and then you know, played across two levels of A ball last year in the Blue Jays system, and uh, started showing power speed combination. Uh, you know, was just a few homers shy of, of 2020, and wasn't necessarily playing in, in good hitters environments. So uh, there, there's a lot to, to like. He's got a good arm. He can defend. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of ceiling here. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a chance that, you know, the Padres may look at, back at this and think, boy, they got a steal in getting a guy like Edward Olivares. We'll have to wait and see. There's a, a long way to go from a ball to, to big league stardom, as we all know. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I noticed this was his first taste of full-season ball. Um, at his age, it's a little bit of a – I don't want to call him a late bloomer, but I think that that's probably fair. Um, I noticed that his his hit tool is listed at 45 currently, um, but I also see a lot, of, uh, a lot of information about his bat speed and his short stroke. So do you think that the hit tool will improve in time, or do you think that that's already improved and maybe he's already um, – I don't know, I want to say outproduced the 45-hit tool, which you guys have on them currently. Yeah, I think um, that there is the chance that that will get upgraded. Um, okay. And okay. this is just off the top of my head. We haven't really dug that deep into the, the grades of top 30 guys just yet. But I think given the fact that he hit well – in, in the Midwest League, uh, the time in the Florida State League was too short to make anything of it. He didn't strike out a ton. Um, so, you know, if, if you told me that next year that'd be a 50-hit tool to go along 50 power, I, I, I could buy it. And then, you know, you're looking at a guy with average hit and power and above average to plus run arm and field. That, that's a pretty good player. Yeah. 
I actually wanted to, to make a little bit of a comp. I'm hearing a lot of fans talk a little bit about Franchi Cordero, and I was checking out MLB Pipeline. You have, I think, Cordero ranked 12, and um, Oliveira's ranked 24 now with the Padres. So I, I kind of wanted your thoughts on, on how those two are, are similar and how they're different, because, I mean, it, it seems to me like the grades are pretty similar all across the board. I mean, Cordero's more of like a, a run-field kind of guy, and, and then maybe the, the power's there, but the hit needs to still come a bit. And it seems like Oliveira's is kind of a similar player. So can you kind of elaborate more on that comparison if you think that's a, a decent comp for what Oliveira's will be in a few years? I think, yeah, I think there's a possibility. You know, there is the chance that Olivares, uh, his approach might be a little bit better. Uh, you know, the one thing that always you know, stands out about Cordero is that strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, at the same time, he did it at a, at, a, at a much higher level and is only two years older. So I think those are the two things that you have to sort of wait and see uh, with Olivares what happens. You know, could... Could you be talking about Olivares like Padres fans talk about Cordero two years from now? Yeah, I, I could see it. Uh, you know, starts the year uh, in high A uh, and hits his way to double A this year, and then you know maybe he's double A and triple A next year, and then you're you're in the same boat. And a lot of times, you know, with with young, especially toolsy guys, you just need to see how the approach is refined as they start to face more advanced pitching. Um, you know, all of ours numbers were good in a ball. You know, he, he drew a few walks. He didn't strike out a ton though. That's all encouraging. But as he starts climbing the ladder and starts facing pitchers, who know how to set him up and know how to exploit his weaknesses. It's really going to be about how he, um, makes adjustments to that and how his approach evolves while he starts to see that, that better caliber of pitching. Yeah. It's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to uh, most likely the California league is where he'll probably end up. Um, it's a hitters league. So hopefully he'll adjust uh, fairly well and uh, hopefully take off. Um, Jonathan, uh, I noticed that uh, Oliveros was ranked uh, 18th or 20, 21st by the in by MLB pipeline through the Blue Jay system. Uh, do you think that that would have improved, say, uh, in a month from now when you guys update your rankings and stuff? Do you think he would have been a top 10 uh, Blue Jay talent uh, in in a month or so? All right. So the the caveat I'll give you is that I don't do the Blue Jays list. Um, okay. But uh, I I don't know that he would be top 10. Well, he might have been. Okay. Uh, it, you know, top fifteen, we'll say. Okay. He definitely would have. He, ne- he definitely would have. He would have moved up. Um, and I, I would imagine he will move up some on the Padres list. Uh, the Padres system is is decidedly better than than the Blue Jays. Uh, so the placement of him post trade is probably more reflective of around where he, he'll be. So he may not move up that much from where he is. Because uh, obviously, when a guy moves, we have the ability to put him wherever we want. Um, and even though the rest of the list is outdated, uh, chances are he's going to get placed more or less where he, he would be on whatever the new list will look like. Now, that was, you know, we usually do that without doing too much in terms of calling people within the organization or outside of the organization uh, to, um, to place him. Uh, Mike Rosenbaum does both the Blue Jays and the Padres list, so you have a pretty good feel. So if you told me that he's going to be in the 20 to 24 range on the Padres list when that gets re-ranked, I I would believe it. 
Yeah. It, it, it'll be interesting. When, when exactly uh, will your MLB pipeline list be finalized uh, for all 30 teams, just so that we can kind of hype that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Well, the, the top 100 is coming out at the end of this month. We're actually going to start working out the top 10 by position next week. Nice. And then February-ish uh, for the top 30s. We don't have this. I don't think we have our, our schedule officially set, so I don't want to I don't want to misspeak. And it's not that, oh, I don't want to divulge it. Uh, I, I just don't know exactly which teams are coming when, but, uh, you know, I think January 26th is the date for the top 50 show on the network. I'm sorry, the 27th. Um, we're taping the show on the 26th. The 27th, uh, the show is airing, and that's when we will uh, unveil the uh, the full top 100. And then in the coming weeks after that is when you'll start seeing the the, the top 30 team lists. Excellent. Well, we we definitely look forward to that because there there should be some Padres uh, on that top fifty list. So we're uh, for the first time in the in a long time in San Diego, we're very excited for the prospects and the, the future of this team. It's uh, it's a it's a fun list to look at for sure. For sure, uh, Jonathan. Thank you so much for your time and giving us a little bit of a, a breakdown on Olivares. We very much appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Have a great day. My pleasure. Anytime, guys. Thanks, John. Uh, well, there you go, folks. A little bit of a breakdown on Edward Olivares. Uh, we thought we'd get it from the horse's mouth, uh, someone who's pretty versed on what his capabilities are. Uh, stay tuned, and we will be back. All right, welcome back, folks. Great stuff, as usual, from Jonathan Mayo. Uh, he's a great friend of the show, and uh, you know, I, I uh, asked him right away after the trade uh, if he was available, and he got back to me and had no problem at all coming on and discussing uh, the young man. So, uh, Patrick, your thoughts? I think you know Jonathan is intrigued by his upside. Uh, he definitely has upside. Um, I was kind of uh, interested in seeing if he would have been a top ten Blue Jay prospect. Uh, you know, and as they update their rankings and uh he was kind of bullish on, on whether or not he wanted to comment on whether he's a top 10 or 15 i mean he naturally he doesn't do the list so uh interesting though i, I think this is a, a a good get by the padres because his upside and because he's definitely trending the correct way yeah i mean i, I definitely think Oliveras gained some helium uh with his performance this year um obviously he was kind of well regarded in the Blue Jays system prior to that, but the injury in 2016 obviously set him back, and I think it was good to see him kind of break out a bit in 2017. And I, yeah, I think he was definitely probably destined to be a little higher in the Blue Jays list. Like I said, I think he was in the I want to say 18 to 21 range, if I'm not mistaken, when I looked mm-hmm. before he was shifted to the Padres page. I think he's was he locked in at 24 on the Padres page? Yeah, currently he's the 24th. Yeah, so listed. I think. He may get a jump. I mean, they, they kind of just slot him in. They haven't they haven't actually updated their list yet, so that's going to be, yeah. like like Jonathan said, that's going to be the next like three weeks to a month. Yeah, like the end sure of January, they'll... beginning of February. So, yeah, I, I think he'll slot. I, I think it's safe to put him in the top 20 at least um, in the Padre system. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as top 15 because there's a lot of talent that's higher yeah. up in the system. Obviously, he's just getting to high A ball. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I'd probably slot him in uh, in the back of like the – the, the 20s or I should yeah. say the 10s so maybe like 19 20 in that range I think that's a, a, a fair spot for him yeah uh, no yeah. that's that's 
it was definitely good to hear Jonathan uh, say some things, some good things about him, and uh, looking forward to seeing how he adjusts to the new organization this year. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, maybe he'll uh, he'll uh, be partial to that California League hitting. Uh, we definitely know that the California League has some pretty good hitting ballparks. So, you know, the Padres uh, minor league system from California to both Texas leagues are, are very good hitting uh, facilities. So uh, hitters should be able to develop in, in within our system. Um, you know, Jonathan gives a definite uh, great perspective, but, you know, we wanted to also bring in another perspective. Uh, some, I guess, some, some would say it a little bit of a more analytical perspective. Uh, so we brought in Eric Longenhagen of Fangraphs uh, to discuss uh, Edward Oliveras as well. Uh, I was not able to partake in the interview, but Patrick handled the duties and uh, enjoy. All right, I'm here with Eric Longenhagen, uh, lead Fangraphs uh, prospect writer, and uh, we're here to talk a little bit about the Unherva Solarte trade and kind of what the Padres got back in return. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing well. A uh, little sad to see uh, one of my favorite Padres get traded, but, I mean, this is the kind of move you expect to make when the team is uh, kind of on the fringe of maybe being a contender and they're still kind of building up the farm system. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a trade that you kind of expected and, and something to uh, to look forward to. So, uh, general thoughts, just just right off the bat, what are your general thoughts on the trade, kind of the return um, in terms of value? Uh, I thought it was pretty even. Solarte, like, I like Solarte too, and to sign a guy like that to a minor league deal and turn him into a high upside prospect like Edward Oliveira is, is like, that's a good transaction over the long haul. Uh, but realistically, like, Solarte's, you know, a 45 type of, uh, like, that's the type of role he he. He fits in. He's a utility infielder or, uh, you know, a bat-first, uh, versatile, like, low-end, everyday guy. Uh, and it's sort of ironic that, uh, that you, you know, you guys acquire one fan-favorite type of player, someone who the fan base likes more than he is valuable on the field uh, in Freddie Galvis and then send another one away a couple weeks later in Solarte. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, like what you're saying about Solarte is what my family members in Pennsylvania are saying about Galvis. But, um, but yeah, it's, I thought it was a good deal. Um, Oliveras is an interesting upside guy who, who broke out in 2017. He was hurt for much of 2016. Uh, if teams saw him in 2016, it was during extended spring training. And he was inconsistent then. You know, I, I ran down a couple of people who saw him then, and he wasn't like a dude yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really did break out in 2017, hitting like 270, 330, 500 with, you know, almost 20 homers, almost 20 steals in 100 games at, uh, at low A. There's like above average raw power in there. He's 6'2. There might be some room on the frame yet, although it's not like he's got this perfect uh, Adonis like body composition. He's sort of like a maybe more of a slightly built guy. It's an angular build. It's not like that big, broad-framed uh, Division One wide receiver type build that you're like, oh, this guy's going to add 30 pounds. Like it's not that obvious. Um, but yeah, and he's got some natural feel to hit. Although the swing is ugly, like it's just ugly bat control right now. He's kind of a pull-only type guy. So like, there's some volatility there, but he's got a chance to play center field. He's got a plus arm, so it's right field if he can't. Uh, and he's, you know, just a high variance chance to hit for some power and play up the middle type of prospect. 
Karkif, uh, Jared Karkif is a 24-year-old reliever who they also got in the deal. He's more of an org arm, 90-94, average-ish slider, average-ish changeup. Stuff's not great in in the bullpen, but he is a 24-year-old relief prospect. Uh, So uh, Oliveira is really the, the guy in the deal for me. And I think it's I think it's okay. I think it was a fine deal. You have forty five on Solarte, and I've got forty five on Oliveras. Yeah, I think um, not just Padre fans, but I also saw some comments on your piece on Oliveras. Kind of people discussing um, in terms of surplus value, or kind of how valuable Solarte is in terms of the fact that he's under control. I believe for three more years on a pretty team friendly deal. Um, do you think that the Padres should have got more for him, or do you think that they were better off holding on to him longer term, or do you think this was the right move to make at this time? Well, I think given that you have a bunch of infielders coming up behind him that are going to require big league reps, like I think ultimately guys like Carlos Asuaje, you know, the types of the upper level infielders in the system, mm-hmm. I think they're low upside guys uh, for the most part. With the, you know, I, I like Urias and and Tatis a lot, a lot. Uh, like Tatis, I think might be the best guy in the minor leagues, but uh, but I think it's, it was time to move away from a guy like Solarte because mm-hmm. of what's coming. So I understand people uh, who, especially at Fangraphs, you know, our readership and our writership focuses on team control and contract amounts, and uh, so do teams. Um, but. Uh, but I just think from a from a pure value standpoint that we know what Solarte is as a player, and I think straight up value wise that Oliveras is a good return for that type of player. Yeah, I think when you take into the fact that they need other guys to have playing time, Corey Spangenberg, Carlos Swahe, I think Solarte was the guy that was kind of expendable and probably the most valuable. I think the hardest thing for fans, at least of the Potters, to stomach is you're kind of trading Solarte for Headley in a way, and I know people don't really like Headley so around here. Yeah, so that's kind of a tough one, but. I think the the one thing that's really stood out to me in your uh, your little piece, your Instagram piece on Oliveris was your comment that there's also a real possibility he never does much of anything. So can you kind of, I guess, give us a little bit more on that and kind of how volatile this sort of player is? I mean, you called him a lottery ticket in the piece, obviously. So kind of more into, like, why you think that and if there's a real possibility of him being something of value at all. Sure. There, anytime, anytime we're talking about prospects, obviously – when the difference between what uh, the front office, the upper level executives are thinking about a prospect is different than what the scouts are typically thinking about a prospect. Scouts, most for the most part, are making a call on a guy uh, in a way that like the weatherman does, uh, where you know it either or, or rather not the way the weatherman does. It's like, um, I'm sorry. So like each of these guys has a range of potential outcomes, mm-hmm. right? Scout's job is to predict the uh, best case scenario outcome or at least project that and note that it's possible, whereas your front office executives have to sort of sift through all the possibilities and which ones are most likely and then make a decision based on that. Mm-hmm. So all of is so some prospects have a wider range of outcomes than others do. Oliveras is one of the guys who is like that. He has a broad range of outcomes. There's a chance because of his style of hitting, which is sort of a mess and a little bit aggressive, uh, that he's exposed at upper levels by better pitching. 
and doesn't and if that happens and he also has to move away from center field, then we're talking about a corner outfield prospect with like volatility about the hit tool. And so like now we're talking about a guy who might not be anything. Mm-hmm. But then on the other end of the spectrum, there exists the possibility where he does polish up his routes in center field. He's fine there. And polishes up the bat and is hitting and hitting for power. Now you're talking about a center fielder who's hitting and hitting for power. And that's like a potential all-star. That's like, you know, Lorenzo Cain or, um, you know, even like a Drew Stubbs type of player. So, uh, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot <laughs> left between now and when or if Oliveira gets to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a chance that, you know, the the things fall in a way developmentally that, you know, he stalls out at, at the upper levels of the minors because he can't hit double-A pitching. Triple-A pitchers take advantage of his over-aggressiveness or, or whatever. Something something happens. Definitely. Uh, and then there's a chance that he's an above-average everyday player. So, uh, you know, in, in evaluating all of that, you know, that's what the future value number that at Fangraphs we try to stick on a guy is to look at that range of outcomes and say, okay, what is the most likely outcome or what? how do those outcomes, when they're all weighed together, what does that sort of point to? And with Oliveira's, it's a 45, which is, you know, he's got he's a high variance, above average regular for mm-hmm. me. So yeah, it's it's weird. Player development is weird, yeah. um, and uh, and this is a weird prospect. But I think he's a talented one. Definitely fair. Uh, last question I want to hit on with Oliveris is kind of how do you see him fitting into the system? I mean, to me, he's kind of seems similar to Franchi Cordero in terms of kind of that speed defense combo, good power, but the hit tool is still not there. Some trouble with striking out. I know Oliveris maybe hasn't had the same problems because he's been at the lower levels, but. And then you guys kind of guys like Michael Geddes and Buddy Reed, who are also sort of speed defense guys that have had trouble hitting. So do you kind of see how you, I guess, how does he fit in with that group? And um, in terms of those guys, how would you, I guess, rank him in there? And, and maybe in the in the bigger picture, how does he rank in this system? Yeah, I think I think Franchi. I think you're right to to look at the way these guys' skill sets sort of shape up and uh, attempt to line them up with one another. I think. then the next step after you do that is to look at why they have the issues they do. So obviously we know that Geddes has strikeout issues, that Buddy Reed has has bat-to-ball issues as well. Uh, I think it's important to look at why. Geddes, for me, it's always been a hand-eye situation. Mm -hmm. He's a guy who swings and misses at a lot of stuff in the zone. Uh, Buddy Reed, it's like a stiffness, mechanical thing. And then with Oliveira's, it's an approach uh, and... I guess a mechanical thing as well, but uh, not like a bat path issue as much as it is um, like he's just a, sort of takes wild out of control swings. So if you line, if you if you consider why that they have each of them has strikeout issues, and then start picking out which one you think is most fixable, I think Oliveira's issue are the most fixable of that of that group. Mm-hmm. Buddy Reed has already begun focusing on. A lot of bunting, like finding alternate ways to try to get on base because uh, I don't think he's going to hit. I don't think uh, the Padres are optimistic about his ability to hit, which is why we saw him do more of the, the small ball type stuff in 2017. Mm-hmm. Gettys, uh, you know, hand-eye coordination issues, I'm not sure that that's something that you can fix uh, or find a way to compensate for the way uh, 
maybe Reed is is attempting to find ways to deal with his deficiency. So among those three guys, I'm more, most optimistic about Oliveira's uh, figuring things out, which is why, as a prospect, I like him best of that group. With Franchi as close as he is to the big leagues and uh, you know having shown some of what he can do there already, uh, if you ask me to pick between those two guys, I'm, I'm taking Franchi. Uh, but I do think that he's he's a high variance guy as well. He his tools have always played down because he's just not a good baseball player. Like he's uh, his instincts are not good, his feel is not good. I know that those are sort of obscure things, but mm-hmm. he's just not a heady baseball player. Uh, so if that stuff comes, then yeah, I think you're looking at a valuable big leaguer. If not, the tools are still loud enough that he plays a role, but it's probably something lesser, like like in a platoon situation or as a fourth or fifth outfield or something like like that. Definitely fair. Yeah, I think the Potters have a lot of uh, fringy, volatile outfield prospects. It's kind of kind of funny how many there are. Um, yeah, and I think if you have enough of those guys, the chance that a single one of them, if you look at you know yeah. guys individually, that that they work out is not good. But if you have enough of them, the chance that one or two of them will work out is pretty good. So mm-hmm. I think eventually, you know, of these seven, eight guys in the system like this, that the chances of two or three of them working out and being good big league outfielders is pretty strong. Yeah, definitely. All right, so last question before I get out of here. Um, just any sort of information on uh, the, the throne and the deal, Karkurf. I mean, I had never heard of him prior to the deal. I'm not sure if you had ever heard of him prior to the deal. He's kind of a, a fringy reliever prospect. So uh, anything you can say on him? Yeah, 90-94, uh, fringe slider changeup combination. Uh, you know, he's just he's an org arm based on the people I've – I've spoken with, it sounds like he's just an organizational arm. So maybe he's got a non-zero chance of of pitching in the big leagues at, as some sort of inning-eating bridge between the current Padres situation and an eventual competitive Padres situation. But he's not the kind of prospect who plays a significant role on a, on a competitive big league team. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out to uh, talk to us. I know you just got off your... Uh long fan graphs chat <laughs> so i really appreciate you taking time to give us a little information on these prospects my pleasure anytime all right take care Eric. see you pat all right folks welcome back fascinating stuff from eric right there uh, you know, the comparisons that he made between Oliveris and uh, Cordero and Buddy Reed and Michael Geddes are, are definitely note- noteworthy. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting to see those kind of comps. I know I know we're not much as far as comps, but um, it's interesting to see how he will develop and how you put his swing up to those guys' swing. And, and uh, as Eric stated, mechanical flaws can be rectified in time so you know as i said he does have Oliveris does have tremendous bat speed and is a very short stroke so it, it, he might be a little unorthodox as far as what he looks like mechanically right now but we'll have to see we'll have to see what uh what the padres uh have in mind with him uh patrick your thoughts on eric and you know it was great to get some information on karkov as well uh we really didn't have much on him yeah, Eric's definitely one of the best in the business. Um, he's got sources galore. He, he seems like he always has someone he can shoot a text to and get some information. Uh, yeah, prior to our conversation, he's like, "Yeah, I got a text from someone about uh, Karkov just just so we could talk about him, just have something on him." Because, I mean, like Jonathan said, I like we just like there was really no information about this guy, and not no one even knew who this guy was. I don't even know if Eric really had too much yeah. to say about him prior to the move. So, 
Yeah. Uh, but it's good that you got some information about the guy just so we have some something to go off of, even if it's not much, which we definitely no. appreciate any sort of information we can get. Any exactly. tidbit is always is always great. So good, exactly. good to talk to him. All right, so exactly. we, should, we uh, should we move on to some of the other news that we wanted to briefly discuss on this podcast? Yeah, I think for we... sure. I mean, it, it, it was excellent to talk to those two guys, but let's, uh, let's move on to some uh, current Padre news, I guess. Should uh, we uh, start with a throwback to uh, the signing of uh, – Tyson Ross and Chris Young. Yeah, you're right. We never really discussed that. Uh, let's let's do it. Let's. Uh, I, how do you feel I, about it? up front? Just just go. Let me have straight it. Straight up, I, I was concerned. Uh, well, I am concerned about the Young signing. I, I don't think he has much left in his left in his arm, but we'll see. I, I love the Tyson Ross signing. Uh, you know, I've talked to many current and former players, and and they've raved about his clubhouse presence and his work ethic and the type of person he is. And I think that that's definitely a positive. Uh, we'll just have to hope that he comes back at, at, you know, 80, 90% of what he, what he once was. And, and he could be a pretty damn effective middle of the middle of the order type of uh, rotation member for the, for the team. So uh, I'm excited about the, the Tyson Ross pickup. Um, Chris Young. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I have a hard time. Seeing him or having envisioning him winning a rotation spot over someone like uh, Jordan Lyles, just off the top of my head, just because Lyles has a little more upside. I guess you you you're intrigued by what he can achieve if if everything clicks. But Young at at what do you say thirty eight, thirty nine? You know, it's it's a little bit thirty seven. Oh, sorry, I aged him two years. My bad, Chris. Um, you know. It's it's interesting. It could have been worse. We could have got Andrew Kastner. I mean, he's with, with the oh, Orioles now. So. <laughs> Actually, Young's 38. My bad. You were right. Okay, there we go. I mean... He's old. I, I know Padre fans immediately started going bonkers and calling for Bubba Trammell and Eric Owens and just names out of the past. But, you know, the Ross, the Ross signing makes sense. You know, I, I guess you can justify the Chris Young signing as well because he, he is pretty valuable when he's effective and, and when he's healthy. So both of them on a minor league deal aren't taking a roster spot on the 40-man. So, you know, at this point, this is what the Padres should be doing. They should be trolling the, the, the garbage heap and, and looking for reclamation projects that they can turn into salvageable pieces for to flip later on. And, and that's that's just what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, I would be genuinely, genuinely surprised if Chris Young's in the rotation. I think Tyson Ross, if he can prove himself healthy, I think he can definitely win a rotation spot. Um, I, I don't see Chris Young being in the rotation. I think he's a, a piece they could use in the bullpen, kind of a long relief sort of guy if he can prove himself mm-hmm. healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see him starting over the course of a full season or even part of a season. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think exactly. he's got enough left in the arm. Um, Ross is obviously coming off thoracic outlet surgery, which... He hasn't really come back from that just yet. I mean, he struggled in Texas last year and kind of only. I didn't think he pitched half the year last year. So, but these are these are the kind of moves you need to make. I mean, there there's pretty much zero risk to these moves. I mean, they're minor league deals, so like you're paying them pennies, and if it works out, you pay them more in incentives. I think Tyson Ross had a few million in incentives, but it's like if if he's yeah. pitching that well and he's in the rotation, those incentives are going to be worth it. And exactly, day, if he's a trade piece, that's great. I mean, he's a guy who's had a track record of success and he's still only 30 years old. I mean, it seems like Tyson Ross has like been around forever, but he's only 30. So I think the upside is definitely there and anyone mad about this, I don't think they really get it. So, yeah, 
not yeah, to be like they, harsh, but it's like these are just moves that you have to make. I mean, signing guys that had success in San Diego, had success with Darren Balsley. I think Darren Balsley's a guy who's proven that he can work with pitchers and, and unlock things in them. I think it, it's going to be very beneficial to, for uh, Tyson to be back with him and for uh, Chris Young to be back as well. I think both will benefit from that. Yeah, no, it, it, it's 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 a situation where nothing can be negative out of this. I mean, yes, they're guaranteed a certain amount up front, but both are, are positive role models for the young pitchers to, to kind of feed off of it. And the Padres are going to have a lot of young pitchers in camp this, this spring. There's the, the Lowers, the Contros, the Luchesis. They're, they're going to be there witnessing major league pitchers and what they do to get ready on an everyday basis and you want a lot of positive role models around them and and uh young men like that are, are going to thrive from seeing veterans that that know how to put it out there and, and that have uh had the success and i've also had to get back up from the from falling off that proverbial horse and that's what it's about in, in baseball and pitchers are fragile there's very few pitchers that have made it through their whole career without any injuries there's going to be a time where you're going to be hurt and you're going to be down, and it's about how you pull yourself up and, and how, the mentality that you have uh, to, in order to survive in this game. So, uh, I love the move. We'll, we'll have to see. I'm sure that the Padres will be bringing in uh, several more young or older arms to compete with these young guys, and uh, I'll be interesting. To, it'll be interesting to see what AJ Preller comes up with. Uh, he's uh, resourceful. Yeah, he definitely is. All right, moving on. Let's talk about. Uh... Padres re-signed Craig Stammen to a two-year deal. I think it was worth about four, four and a half million. So, mm-hmm. your thoughts? Thirty-three-year-old Craig Stammen signed on a minor league deal last year. Um, had a pretty solid turnaround. He, I think, he had a ERA just above two the last five months of the season after after kind of getting torched in April. So, yeah, uh, yeah, he had, exactly. He had a couple of bad, really bad outings. I, I think it was against the Dodgers or somebody that. That really torched him really bad, and, and that kind of fluctuated his numbers. But if you look at his numbers, he was uh, two and three with a three point one four ERA, one point one nine WHIP. Uh, K's per nine were, were up to eight point three, so his walks were at three point one per nine. So you know he was effective. He's not a, a closer by any means. He's not someone who's going to probably be an eighth inning guy, but. Uh, someone that can get outs in the sixth and seventh inning is 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 still valuable, and and having to pay him two and a half million or, or two point two million per year is uh, is definitely it's definitely a good contract. And uh, at thirty three, we'll we'll just have to hope that he's able to stay healthy. Uh, the two years is a little concerning, but uh, again, in, in this market and, and at that price, you're going to have to pay that extra year to just get uh, get a good deal with him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Once again, it's very little risk. I mean, you're only paying him two two million a year, so yeah, yeah. At worst, he kind of falls apart, but whatever. I mean, yeah. At, at best, he could have another solid string and be a, be a asset you can trade. So exactly, packaging exactly. Yeah. All right. Um. Then we had the Padres signed. I don't even know how to say this, so I'm just gonna butcher it. Is it Kazuhisa? Kazuhisa, Kazuhisa Makita. Yeah. Yeah. Kazuhisa so they, they signed Makita. him. He is uh, thirty-three years, years old. Two years, three point eight is is a is a pretty reasonable price for the for what he brings to the yeah. to the game. As far as I'm, I mean, he's just pitched, the unorthodox look that he brings is is it's going to be interesting. Uh, seven seasons for the Satama Saibu Lions in the Japan Pacific League. 
He had a 283 ERA and 923 in the third innings. Um, yeah, he's kind of a, a submarine sort of pitcher. I mean, you watch him, he basically touches the ground when he pitches. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Last year, he had a 160 ERA. Oh, wait, sorry. 230 ERA last year. He had a 160 ERA the year before. So he's been pretty solid last two years. Um, once again, low risk, uh, potential high reward. If, if he comes out and... I don't know. Has a zero ERA like Fernando Rodney a few years ago. Yeah, he's a he's yeah. a trade asset at the at the break. I mean, he's a guy yeah. who would be under control for a year and a half at that point. So, yeah, I think yeah. it definitely helps to have that two year deal instead. Um, he's thirty three, so he's a little older. But considering he kind of pitches more for contact, he's a ground ball sort of pitcher. Doesn't really overpower guys. Had a pretty low strike rate, strikeout rate in Japan. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to be overpowering mm-hmm. anyone. But I think he can get the job done. And he kind of, I think he's that final piece of the bullpen. I think. At this point, the bullpen I should probably be more or less set. I mean, you have obviously Brad Hand returning, barring a trade. Yates returning, Stamina obviously coming back. Maton, Caps just avoid arbitration. Jose Torres, Colton Brewers now in the fold. My my family, um, mm-hmm. Makita's in there now. You could throw Buddy Bowen in there. Chris Young Brad possibly, Wick. and then whoever yeah. else doesn't make the rotation. You got Colin Ray, Robbie Erlin, uh, who else? Matt Strom. Uh, yeah, Mitchell. Wick, all these Wick guys and fighting McC- for Wick and McGrath are, are two are two on the forty man as well. Two lefties that yeah, McGrath isn't a... even listed there in the, that bunch I just said. So yeah, there's plenty of options here. I think the Potters actually probably will have a fairly good bullpen next year. I wouldn't be surprised if they're a, a top half of the league in terms of bullpen if if these guys continue where they were last year and guys like Maton and Torres take a step forward. Uh, no, I think this could be a pretty darn good bullpen. So I'm and, and that. I think that that's the correct way for a rebuilding team to go at it. For a young team, uh, a young team to go at it, you want your young players to not see their their leads and their their victories just uh, just unravel right before them, like a like a Colorado Rocky home game. They 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 want to have a bullpen out that's out there that's competent that's going to be able to hold their lead. Once this team is actually going to be able to get a lead, they're going to want someone out there who's going to hold it. And uh, Makita's a great compliment to someone like Maton, who lives up in the zone. Makita's a side armor, down, pitches to contact. Uh, it's an interesting move. Uh, we're going to hear a lot about him. He's a marketing dream. Uh, Wayne Portello and his uh, group are going to love marketing him. Uh, I'm sure we'll see a lot of uh, Japanese fans in the uh, in the stands as well rooting for him. He had a very good following in Japan, so it's it's an exciting move and and it's a it's something that's uh, this team isn't going to be too bad next season. I, I'm I'm getting a little more excited. Maybe it's because it's uh, it's early January and I'm it's just like waiting for baseball to come. But I'm getting pretty stoked about this this team and, and the ability that they have and just overall seeing this minor league system grow one more year is just going to be exciting in itself oh man they're gonna they're gonna sign hosmer and win 85 games huh whoa whoa i thought this was a non-hosmer podcast whoa, I, thought we were gonna, whoa. I thought we were gonna make it through the whole podcast that, that was gonna be the last thing i was gonna say but whoa. all right yeah well that man is still weighing his options, I guess. It's kind of funny that you uh, haven't we'll... heard like anything about him in the last yeah. like, a week. Yeah. What's going on? I I I, I gotta think that the market is dry. Well, on him. Those reports were not true. Those are Bob Night- Nightingale reports. <laughs> you know, My favorite. I, you know, he, he 
the market on him is 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 bad right now, and the Padres are playing it smart. If they continue to play it smart, they might get a pretty good deal with him. You know, I'm not opposed to signing Eric Cosmer. I'm opposed to giving him twenty five million dollars to thirty million dollars in the sixth and seventh year of his contract. Yeah, we'll have to see. You know, he he will bring excitement if the Padres were able to bring him into this lineup. Uh, it would it would create a logjam in the outfield. It would create more options for AJ as far as wheeling and dealing. So, if he were to come, there it would be interesting. And uh, you know, I'm I, at this point. I just don't want to see 150, 80, 200 million or whatever the hell he's asking for. That, that's just asinine because we all know that he's he's good, but he's not great. And, and I guess I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, let's let's do it for like three years, like 60 million. That <laughs> good. But even then, it's like you know we're not going to be competitive in in three years. So what's the points? Mm-hmm. So that's why this whole thing is just it's just. Well, may, unless unless he's going to pull a 2015 and start dealing prospects left and right, and, which I really don't want to see. You yeah. know, I mean, we, we're, we've talked. Well, we let's bring in Yellick. We haven't talked to, about him. Let's let's make this a Hosmer Yellick podcast. In reality, the Marlins aren't going to take pennies on the dollar for him if they yeah, want. Can we, can we if, like talk about how they're not going to take unrealistic... Hunter Renfro and Eric Lauer? Exactly. For... And, and throw in Spangenberg. Yeah, no, yeah, that's not, not going to work. Take... Yeah. No. If it's not Gore, Tatis, or Baez, I don't think it's going to happen. So. Exactly. They've already stated that they don't want to attach a contract to him. They want top dollar. Look at what uh, the Red Sox paid for Chris Sale. That's what you're going to have to pay for someone of his ability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Quantrill, Urias, Tatis, Gore, Morhone, do you really want to part with someone like that? Or a couple of them? That's you know I love I love what Christian Yelich brings and, and his ability and his upside and he is a guarantee in some respects where these guys aren't but that would be a tr- a huge change of years and I, I don't know if that's going to be successful in the long run for this franchise. Yeah, that'd be I, some, I don't know. that'd be some risky business for sure. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I've always said that I don't think they should start making these decisions until next off season, and I'm going to stand by that. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's that's probably going to be that's that's going to be the safe the safe bet. But you know, I understand that the market next season is is sparse on left-handed hitters that are under the age of thirty of, that are not named Bryce Harper. And I can understand the infatuation with Hosmer. But you know, Dan made the the analogy. You know, why you're not going to go buy clothes if you're going if you're getting on a diet, you're not going to go buy a wardrobe full of of clothes for for yourself that are three sizes smaller, you know, the, it's just you. you, you do it when it, Yeah, you do it when the timing's right. You don't do it. Can't rush when, these things. No, because then you're stuck with a, a closet full of clothes that you can't fit in. And you're then not what? kids. You can't rush weight loss. That's the message of this podcast. <laughs> Take it yeah, one day at a time. Message. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, you know, we we the Hosmer Yellick stuff just won't go away. Uh, until Hosmer signs and until Yelich's dealt, it's going to be out there because the Padres have the resources, both financially and with the prospects, to do either one. And I mean, for the... at this point, I think the Padres should just trade uh, Michael Geddes and Logan Allen for Mike Trout. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and we'll be exactly. good. Exactly. 
Exactly. And maybe throw in like uh, maybe throw in and, like I don't know. And they throw in Garrett Richards as well. Yeah, throw in Colton Brewer too. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Really well, leave it out. Yeah. The, the the fantasy baseball analysts and, and players need to to stay off of uh, Twitter as far as their uh, trade uh, packages yeah, too many and, crazy, and recommendations. Yeah, trade packages, man. Anyway. Because yeah, I mean look <laughs> look at what look at what Jan Arte, who has a, a decent uh, upside. Well, I don't want to say upside, but he's a, he's a decent player with uh, under very good contract, and the Padres got a lottery ticket for him. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think people way overestimate value in terms of trading players. I mean, Solarte's okay, but at best he's been an average player. Um, yeah, he's probably going to be a utility player in Toronto. Um, he's already thirty; he's not going to be getting any better. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're not you're not getting top prospects back. I know when the trade first happened, people are like, "Yeah, let's get Vlad Guerrero back." And I know most people were kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a general sentiment: is like our players are worth so much that if we yeah, trade them away, sure, it has to be sure. a perfect return. And yeah, it's it's gonna be like lottery. I mean, you look at like a guy like Melvin Upton got traded for a lottery ticket. Um, guy like Derek Norris got traded for a lottery ticket, and you look yep. at the, what, what those two lottery tickets turn out to be. I mean, Pedro Avila yeah. is obviously tearing apart the minor leagues, and you look at Hansel and Hansel, yeah, he exactly. A reliever and he's doing well. So these these things can work out. I mean, obviously it's too soon on both those guys, and it's obviously way too soon on Oliveris, but. Yeah, these are moves you have to make, and if you hit on if you acquire like ten lottery tickets, you hit on two. That's great. That's what you exactly. Do. So exactly, they're doing the right and, things. And the, they're making the right and, moves, and we're just going to wait and see how it turns out. Yep, yep. The Padres are sitting on dozens and dozens of lottery tickets, by the way. So they should. They should the mathematical odds. I know you're you're a statistics guy. The mathematical odds are that they are going to hit on some of these guys. So it's just a matter of keeping them and not dealing away ones that can potentially be successful. So we'll have to pray that De Los Santos doesn't become Pedro Martinez with the Phillies <laughs> um, and just kind of just hoard our prospects uh, is accordingly. Uh, all right, folks. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we did a little bit of a breakdown on uh, young outfielder Edward Olivares, who most of us will probably get a chance to see in Lake Elsinore this year. It'll be exciting to see this young man. Uh, I don't know where he's going to fall as far as uh, the Gettys, Buddy Reeds in the world, as far as uh, um, the affiliates. But uh, it's exciting to see this team uh, attain more young players with uh, tremendous upside. Yep, definitely uh, looking forward to seeing how this season progresses and how these guys uh, move up through the system. All right, Patrick, I think we are good to go. Uh, We should be back later on this week. We have a special guest lined up. Uh, that uh, I guess is uh, pretty famous with Padre fans. So you definitely want to check this out uh, later on this week. All right. We are hosted on Podbean. You can find us there as always. Um, Give us a follow on there for all our latest podcasts. Um, You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Republic, anywhere you get your podcasts. uh, We'll be there. You can find us on Twitter at EBT Podcast. James is at EBT underscore news at EBT underscore J Clark. I am at Patrick Burn 83, and this is the East Village Times Podcast signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT Podcast. Padres EBT Podcast.